Just wait a minute. We got a job for you. I don't want no job. Why not? It's too much, too much like work, man. Listen, this is strictly nowhere. You got a lot of sick, old-fashioned ideas about working hard and living clean, and it's all a lot of junk. I'm too tired to listen. And your work is a sucker. You know, I like my job, Skipper. I wouldn't want to lose it. Hey, it's me, Chris T, and it's Saturday morning, September 15th, at approximately 8.42. Is this guy actually going to try to pull a U-turn here? I just made a left onto Boulevard East, also known as JFK Boulevard East, and I'm headed up to the George Washington Bridge, uh, which I can actually see from here. It's a clear day. Uh, The weather's actually nice. The sun is out. It's a little cloudy, about 77 degrees. And uh, today I head out to Long Island for the first time in many years, I think 2013. Might represent my last trip out there. Around the time that we sold my mother's house. Why am I going out there after all these years? Well, I'm going to interview the drummer from the Nihilistics, Troy. And why am I interviewing Troy? Well, it's research for this book that I want to write about Mike, the co-founder of the band and the bass player and the main songwriter. Yes, I'm working on a memoir, a memoir with guitars. I don't know what time I'm going to arrive, but I hope to have at least a couple of hours to sit and talk with him before i got to get out of there. Then I'm going to go see my brother Mark. And then uh, tonight, 6 p.m., Northport, I'm supposed to meet with my friend Jesse, who is an author, and he writes about true crime, and he's written a book about the Northport murders that took place in uh, whenever the hell it was, the early 1980s, I think. And... Because I was born in Amityville, he wants to talk to me. I'm not sure how much information I can give him, what exactly he's going to be asking. I told him I was going to be on Long Island, and it just so worked out that we can actually sit down and talk. So I'm curious, but it's also part of me is also thinking I could probably be back home a lot earlier if I got the hell out of there instead of waiting around to 6 p.m. to go to Northport. But that's... That's what's going on today, and um, being out here on Long Island is certainly an opportunity for me to talk about some other jobs I've held over the years because, I mean, Long Island is where I lived uh, for 21, 22 years, and uh, in that time from, I would say, the age of 15, 16 to the time I left, I held a whole bunch of jobs, one job after another, and... Um, I try to remember them in this order. So my first job would have been at the Woolco on Sunrise Highway and Wellwood Avenue. Uh, It was just northeast. It was just north of Sunrise Highway and just east of Wellwood Avenue. And uh, it was big box store before the age of the big box store. It came to you from Woolworth. And it was for people who couldn't afford Woolworth is how I'd like to describe it. And uh, I was a stock boy, and I would also go out and clean up, go out into the store and clean up. So it was, it was a very shitty job. And uh, I didn't have that very long. 
before Mike, the guy from the Nihilistics that I'm writing this book about, got me a job at this bakery where he worked. And the, the bakery was called Cheslax Modern Bakery there on Wellwood Avenue in the town of Lindenhurst. And so there I started out washing dishes and eventually made my way into actual baking and was even pondering a career as a baker, becoming a baker. And that didn't happen. Um, and that was really a job that I held during high school. And then I guess when I graduated high school, I needed to go get something with more hours. And I think the decision not to stay on at the bakery was, for me, a, a lot of it had to do with the hours. I couldn't take the hours. You had to get up really early. And back then, I, I didn't get up early. Not willingly. I got up early if I had to be at the bakery, but that's about it. And when I say early, I mean like 5 a.m. So I didn't see a lifetime of me doing that. Let's put it that way. So I got a job at a local factory at that point called Vanguard Electronics, just north of the uh, Long Island Railroad tracks in Lindenhurst. And it was a little factory that made electronic relays and that's what I did all day long I made electronic relays look at this douchebag and this fucking crew cab what an asshole fuck you and your Colorado it's probably made by uh, oh it's made by Chevrolet look at that god where are cops just once Please, Jesus, just once, get a cop out here to pull this guy over with his aggressive driving up everybody's ass. Vanguard Electronics, I wrote about an article that appeared in the WFMU program guide called LCD. And uh, I wrote about it because of the radio station that they would play all day long that I was subjected to, which was... Uh, Z100 or some station like Z100 and I would always I would consistently get overruled because I would want to change the channel I'd be like hey can we listen to CBS FM can we listen to some oldies I mean this station it played the hits of the day it was really awful I did not like the hits of the day let's put it that way but I was always overruled the guy that ran the place, Mr. C, little old guy with a white mustache and a visor. He wore a visor. He uh, and, a, and a lab coat, shop coat, whatever you want to call it. He would say to me, I, the ladies like it. And the ladies were the other people that worked at Vanguard Electronics. I was the only male besides Mr. C in the place. The rest of the people that worked there were these these women. Um, I don't know. Trying to think of what ages they would have been. When they were older women. I mean, back then they seemed really old to me. They, they were probably in their 40s. And they didn't really cotton to me whatsoever because I was a young guy. And so I would go off in a corner by myself and, and read my guitar magazines or I think I might have had a Walkman the Walkman might have come out by then and I probably put on my headphones and 
tried to get the horrible radio station out of my head. Um, and I did that for quite a while. And then I think I transitioned into the beginning of uh, what I like to call my telemarketing phase, where I just got one telemarketing job after another. And uh, one of them was over by Pine Lawn Cemeteries. And uh, I guess it would have been Farmingdale. Farmingdale, almost Melville. And that was... Uh, I've done a, a mixture of telemarketing. I've done outbound telemarketing. I've also done inbound telemarketing. And you could probably figure out the difference. Outbound telemarketing, you're, you're making calls to people. You're trying to sell them stuff. Um, I'm probably leaving out the job I had in Copeg where I was doing fundraising, so-called fundraising for the 1st Marine Division and the Vietnam Veterans of America. And, and that was essentially a scam job. They were just trying to sell ads in this quote-unquote yearbook. And, uh, you know, you'd call people up and see. You try to guilt them into it because it's the 1st Marine Division and it's Vietnam veterans and you're trying to guilt them into taking out an ad in this quote-unquote yearbook and you know quarter page ad 50 bucks half a page ad 100 bucks that kind of thing full page ad 200 bucks whatever the prices were but that was a job that I held and it was probably right after I left Vanguard Electronics and uh, they were the people I worked for the people who had bought the Amityville Horror House and that was uh, the job where I was invited to a Halloween party at the Amityville Horror House and I turned them down because I had just read that uh, that book High Hopes all about the Amityville murders so that was a, an outbound telemarketing job and then I can't remember if the other one in Farmingdale it might have been an inbound call center telemarketing type of job I, I don't remember but uh, then there was another telemarketing job over on uh, Route 110 I believe it was and that would have been over by Republic Airport and that was definitely an outbound telemarketing job we were trying to get people to buy Zep chemicals to people over the phone and that was the job in uh, at the selling Zep chemicals where I got stuck in an elevator for hours. And uh, and then, I, if memory serves, it wasn't too long after that job, that last telemarketing job, that I ended up getting the hell off of Long Island. And then my first job in New Jersey was at a, yes, a telemarketing company. Inbound telemarketing. For the New York Times and um, Lillian Vernon catalog and a couple of other type of mail order catalogs. This is, of course, pre-internet, so people couldn't go online and place orders. They had to call you to place their order. So I showed up at Troy's, and uh, not a minute after I pull up, there is uh, this Oldsmobile Cutlass that pulls up, and it's, I could tell when this kid gets out of the car, he's got to be Troy's son. It's almost Dead a spitting image of Troy at that age. <clears throat> and um, 
He's there, and we neither one of us can get Troy's attention. <clears throat> we're texting him. We're phoning him, uh, trying to get him to come to the door. And so I ended up having a whole conversation with TJ, Troy's son, on the front stoop. As it turns out, Troy was in the backyard mowing the lawn. Eventually, he came and got us, and I said to Troy, hey, look, you know, if you want to work on the car with your kid, uh, I can come back after I see my brother, and that's what I'm going to do. So I got some time to kill, and I think what I'm going to do is I am going to go to this uh, vintage collectible sale. And I think the thing I'm going to is... You'll arrive at Rosie's Vintage. Thank you, lady. Um, the thing I'm going to was something Troy told me about because I asked him if he knew of any flea markets in the area and he said they're doing this thing at Rosie's Vintage today and it's called uh, Mantiques, I believe. And it's all um, beer signs and car stuff and shit to decorate your man cave, I guess. I'm going really just to kill time. I probably will end up buying something though. We'll see. It's me, Chris T, uh, back in the car, still on Long Island, just leaving Huntington, where I went to Rosie's Vintage to the Mantiques sale. Uh, I dropped 10 bucks. And right now, I'm making my way through whatever the fuck this is. This might be Dix Hills, D I X Hills, that I'm in. And I'm wending my way over to meet up with my brother at the Lindenhurst Memorial Library in Lindenhurst. When he gets his lunch break at 1 o'clock, I think I just passed the Cold Spring Harbor Fish Hatchery, actually. There it goes. And so far... Turn left on Harbor Road. My uh, nihilistics research project not going exactly the way I wanted. But I'm not discouraged quite yet. I think I'll get some good stuff out of Troy and it's... In 1.5 miles, stay to the right to Woodbury Road, south. It's nice to be out. I, I kind of wish Sweet Tea was along on this ride. It's a beautiful day to just be bombing around Long Island, my old stomping grounds, although I never got to this part of Long Island. There wasn't any reason to come here. I'm hoping that after I talk with Troy, I can uh, figure out a way to hit the Whaling Museum before they close today. That would be cool. I'd be interested in seeing the Whaling Museum. Here I go, off to lunch with my brother. <laughs> All right, I'm back in the car, and I'm headed back to Troy's house. About to get on Sunrise Highway and head back to Central Islip. Lunch with my brother, I, I'm i a little worried because he took me to a, one of these all-you-can-eat buffet type of places. He likes the sushi there. And uh, I didn't eat too much food. But I tried a bunch of different things that probably don't go together in your tummy. A couple of pieces of sushi. Tuna sushi. Didn't get the salmon sushi after seeing that thing about that guy's tapeworm. Some sweet and sour soup with a couple of dumplings in it. And I had what they called pasta, Italian pasta. It was in a cream sauce and it had shrimp in it. I had a couple of stuffed shrimp. I had some mashed potatoes. I had some roast pork. Jesus Christ, what did I do to myself? I am sure I'm going to regret it. Let's put it that way. It was good to see Mark. I gave him the ring from our father. And 
over lunch we were having a whole conversation about the economy and he's telling me the economy's doing better than it's done in I don't know how many years it's everybody's doing well and I'm like not really you know the investor class they're doing well money if you have money on Wall Street you're doing well but look at you you're working two jobs you don't have any health care I just I don't have a job myself currently I can't find a job I mean really how well is the economy doing for everybody or is it just doing good for some people oh the unemployment numbers are down well a lot of people are what they call discouraged workers they're not looking for work anymore so they don't even count them but it's just a pointless exercise to discuss these things with my brother it pains me to see somebody in the situation that he's in which is you know he works 10 hours a day and still doesn't have health care he's working two part-time jobs and they're busting his balls at both jobs and he doesn't want to pay for health care through the affordable care act which he said would be four hundred dollars a month so what happens when he gets sick but we'll see Oh, man. Well, just as I suspected, uh, this is going to end up being a wasted trip. So here's what happened. I left my brother um, off, and I texted Troy that I was going to be headed over to his place. And that's what I did. Drove about 15, 20 minutes to Central Islip once again, where I was at 9.30 this morning. And I get to Troy's house. I don't see his car. So I'm thinking maybe he had to run an errand. I called him up. And uh, lo and behold, he's on his way to Wontaw to go help out his son, who's broken down in the very same 1971 Olds Cutlass I saw earlier. So apparently he had new tires put on this car not long ago, and whoever put them on didn't tighten them up properly. Wheel came off, a couple of lugs came off, a couple of lug nuts are gone, so it's it's sounds like a fucking disaster. And I'm feeling really stupid because I was there at 9.30 this morning. I could have wired Troy up with a microphone even while he was working on the kid's car and probably gotten some audio, but I just thought he's going to be concentrating on this car. I don't know if he's going to be crawling underneath this car. There was, at the time, some complaint about the fan hitting the fan shroud. 1971 Oldsmobile Cutlass with the 350 under the hood and the kid got it as a fixer-upper and it looked to me like it needed a lot of fixing up. And now it's broken down. So I don't know that it would have worked even if I tried to do some recording earlier when I was there. So I'm going to try not to get on myself for not striking while the iron was hot. But that might be a good object lesson in that, you know, you got to do these things while the people are available because now I've uh, driven out here for I don't know what really the lunch with my brother really no I don't think so so now I'm heading over to Northport even though it's way early I mean part of me thought maybe I could go over to Adventureland for a little bit 
Then I thought of maybe visiting one or two of my dead relatives and friends who were buried out here, but I'd be hard pressed to tell you where they're buried. But you know, I'll go to the North Shore where I was earlier and go in and out of some shops up that way. And Jesse, this guy I'm supposed to be sitting down with for this film, he said uh, if he's able to get to me earlier than six o'clock, he will. But my Saturday's pretty much blown out of the water, huh? What was I going to do? I I would have been home probably in the office, probably working on stuff and. Now at least I'm out. I'm leaving Huntington Village right now and making my way west to Cold Spring Harbor. Man, it's gotten really hot out. I was wandering around Huntington Village thinking, oh, I'll go in and out of some stores, blah, blah, blah. First of all, there's not a lot of stores. Mostly what there are are uh, restaurants and little places to eat and then the occasional clothing store was making me nervous and then I seemed everywhere I went seemed to be in the sun like I couldn't catch me any shade whatsoever so I said fuck this it's now five o'clock I am headed to Northport this will complete my journey to Long Island I would like to come out here with sweet tea and spend more time exploring damn I am really wishing I hadn't gone to the buffet I'm not trying to be a sushi snob or anything like that, but if I end up with a tapeworm some months or years from now, that you, you'll know why. That'll be the reason why. All right, this is a job story number, I don't know, you remember, 19, I think, but what's your name? Mike. And what is your job story? Uh, I used to work in kitchens uh, in Manhattan, uh, uh, worked for like really awful French chefs. They're kind of known for being really crotchety, and you know you do anything wrong at all, and they blow a top. You know their top. Uh, so I've seen him, you know, dress people down in the kitchen and you know treat them like animals. Uh, and the day that they let me go, uh, I was a little bit slow on my you know my plating, putting food out, and he got so pissed off at me. Um, chefs carry their knives in a kind of a, a roll-up, okay. uh, like a burlap sack with a roll-up, uh, and he took my knife bag and told me to get the fuck out of the kitchen um, and threw my knife bag towards me. She didn't realize it was open, but I don't think he cared one way or another, and uh, one of my knives ended up sticking into the wall behind me, and I was lucky I didn't get stabbed. So, he could have stabbed you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, unintentionally, but, you know, still, it's like these... People in that industry, a lot of chefs don't respect their kitchen staff. Did you yell, ah, sacre bleu? <laughs> <laughs> I picked up my knives and got the hell out of there before he threw anything else heavy at me. Wow. You know? um, and, you know, in, in general, I mean, the, the kitchen tends to be a little bit uh, hectic and, you know, it's it's very much like a pirate ship atmosphere. Uh, so I heard that. I, the worst I've ever had is a boss I thought was going to throw a chair at me. He picked up a chair like he was going to throw it at me. That's Lightning as close as I came. Yeah. Like, like. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean that's that's really honestly the worst story I have. I was I've been fairly lucky, but that's pretty good though. Anybody else got a I horrible got boss? You to collect your thoughts, or do you want uh, to? Ready? You've had plenty of time to yeah, collect yeah, yeah. your thoughts. Uh, go. So, uh, what is your name? I'm, your name? Hey, I'm Dan. Hi, Dan. Um, so when I was in college, I was working in this uh, little boutique restaurant just north of the school. And um, it was this weird restaurant. It didn't really know what it wanted to be. But all that aside, the owner was uh, the owners were a brother team, but one of them had like an eighty dollar a day coke habit. 
And it was kind of like an out secret. Nobody really talked about it and whatnot. But I remember there was one time I was walking into the back office and I was going to call it. I was like going in there to ask him something. And I went, hey, bud. And like round the corner, just as he <laughs> comes up, rolling his nose and everything, like trying to hide the dust off his face. Like a total Goodfellas type of. Oh, yeah. Ray Liotta all up and down this shit. And uh, he like does that. And then he looks me dead in the eye and I go, I'll be right back. I just turn around and leave. And then he comes up to me like 20 minutes later, like just zooming. And he's like, you're not going to tell anybody, right? Like, tell anybody what? And he's like, that's right. You keep your job here. And I was like, okay. If I get a raise, I'm yeah. not going to tell anybody. I just looked at him and I was like, you're what? And then, like, I thought about it. And then I walked and talked to another buddy of mine. I was like, hey, did you guys know that so-and-so was, like, a fucking cokehead? He was like, oh, yeah, that's been a big problem for us for the past six months. And that's why you're not getting a raise. Oh, yeah. my, my Basically, has, that place went to shoot. Jeez. Uh, I, like, I mean, I could tell the story for my wife. You already told the story. Let's get somebody who didn't tell the story yet. What is your name? Mike. Uh, does the military count at all? Like, yeah. That's a job. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, like, when you're in uh, A school, like, that's, like, kind of, like, the training. Like, you get after basic training to get your, like, like um, your, to learn how to do your job. Mm-hmm. And, uh... When we were done, um, there wasn't much for us to do until we they had us graduate. So they had us uh, do like facilities, which is basically like clean up and like you know put stuff away. So uh, one of the things we had to do was a chief reviews uh, board, which is basically a bunch of Navy chiefs got around you and they would just yell at you for doing something fucked up. Normally it's in an office, but this time. They were like, oh, we're going to do it on top of the roof. And we're like... What? Why? I don't know. We are like, how bad did this guy fuck up that they're going to scream at this guy on top of the roof? And they have to... We're like... I I was like, I think this guy's going to get assassinated. (laughs) I think he's going to get thrown off the roof is my first thought. Yeah, basically. But that was pretty much it. Wow. Uh, All right. Good story out of the military. Jesse, do you have anything you want to... Oh, yeah. I got a good job story for you. Hey, what's up? My name is Jesse. Um, I got a story from working in a kitchen that isn't so much about a boss, but about uh, someone we observed uh, during a, uh, a low uh, point. There wasn't a lot of traffic. I used to work as a pizza delivery driver, little uh, hole-in-the-wall pizzeria in a shopping center. And uh, if you've ever worked in a place like that, you know, like you could just look out the window, you see the rest of the, the, the parking lot and all that stuff. In front of our restaurant, we had one of those... Uh, kind of like a sandbox, but instead of sand, it was mulch and all that stuff, a couple shrubberies. Right next to us in the shopping center was a liquor store. So we're just standing, you know, bored, looking at the parking lot this one day. There aren't a lot of orders. And we see this woman, totally normal looking woman, you know, mid thirties, parks her car, gets out, walks into the liquor store, comes back out like a minute and a half later, holding a 30 rack of natty ice. And she walks, she's about to pass that uh, that row of shrubs, stops, drops trowel with her back to us like it's nothing, squats and takes the nastiest liquid fucking shit I have ever seen in my life, gets up, no wipe, pulls up her pants, stretches her back and walks to her car like it's nothing. And I doubted reality for the first time that day. If it wasn't for the liquid shit, would you have been, hmm? No, no, she wasn't like, you know, like, oh, man, if she didn't just take that dump, I would have gone and chatted her up, man. She just looked like someone you would have seen at a PTA meeting, just totally normal person and had the confidence of a person about to take on the world. When she dropped trowel, 
took a nasty liquid beer shit and went about her day. So I hope she's living her best life. Here's what I don't understand about the story. Did she know or realize that people could see her? Did she not care that people could see her? I think she didn't care because when she was, you know, you would have to see there are large bay windows walking up to the liquor store like we're right there you know the big you know pizzeria big sign we're standing there at the cash register that's three feet from the door just looking out and there was like six of us me the other drivers the 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 dish staff everyone this story raises more questions than it answers like (laughs) for me did you know the plates on the car was she an out of towner thinking i'll never be by this way again who cares you know she a pillar of the community you know what? I was so blown away by what I had just seen. My investigative skills were down that day. I was just jaw dropped. Just like it could have been Bigfoot that took this liquid. Shit. Well, she wasn't blurry enough. Okay. But I would just remember looking at the other dishwashers, going, "Did we just both fucking see this?" No, no, that happened. Yes, that happened. And one of the dishwashers went and even took a picture on his uh, iPhone to show the the next crew that was coming in to close. Like, Did you see what you fucking missed. A picture of the remains of the day? Of the dunk on the ground. (laughs) It was terracotta colored liquid shit. Like baby shit, it sounds like. Almost, yeah, pretty much. Not chunky, even. It was just like this random liquid that came out of a human anus. Oh my God. All right. That was pretty good. That's my job. I I hope you don't mind if I limit everybody to one because I really do got to get going. No, no, that was. All right, I'm headed home. I'm on the Northern Park Parkway, Northern State Parkway, I should say, if I'm being accurate. And uh, Waze is giving me arrival time of 9.53 p.m. I'll believe that when I see it. And it's taking me onto the Long Island Expressway and then straight through the Queens Midtown Tunnel, across 34th Street, and to the Lincoln Tunnel. Whereas I like to call it right through the belly of the beast. But this was, uh, I, I'm not going to say it was a wasted day, but I kind of want this to be my last trip here. If we come here again, if Sweet Tea and I come here, it's going to be to go out to the North Fork and do some vacationing. And I'm again kicking myself because the trip out there. Really, the excuse, the whole reason for going out to Long Island was to sit down with Troy and talk to him about Mike and the nihilistics, and that didn't happen. Then I killed a bunch of time waiting to go talk to Jesse and be part of this film that he's doing about these murders in Northport, and I don't think I gave him anything even remotely useful. I think I will end up on the cutting room floor. And it went much later than I thought it would. We were supposed to be filming at 6 o'clock. We didn't actually start filming until like 7.15. I didn't leave there until about 8.15. And uh, I don't know where all the f- all these fucking people are going. I know where I'm going. I'm trying to go home. And I have no idea where they're going. None whatsoever. You've been listening to a very special job story, my trip out to Long Island this past Saturday. I want to thank Jesse Pollock and his crew for giving us some great job stories at the end. I also want to thank my brother for lunch. Job Story is available via Apple and Google Podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube. Go to shows.pippa.io 
slash job story for details and submit your job story at jobstorypod at gmail.com or in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash jobstorypod. You can also record a job story of 90 seconds or less at speakpipe.com slash jobstory or record a longer job story by calling Way4JobPod. Please share Job Story with your friends and family and be sure to review Job Story on iTunes and elsewhere. Until next time, this is Chris T. Working hard and hardly working. No, working hard or hardly working? (laughs) I said working hard or hardly working. Working hard or hardly working! Working hard or hardly working? It's a simple question! Are you A, working hard, or B, show? <laughs> Suppose you tune in next week to see if I'm still on the job.